fill us with your word, Jesus. Have your way in our lives. Anoint your servant, anoint your words as never before. Let it go forth and produce fruit, 30, 60, 100 fold. We already prayed that for the financial realm. Now we pray it for the spiritual realm, the biblical realm, Lord God, the knowledgeable realm, the educational realm, Lord God. For you say that your people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Let them not be here in our house. You be glorified. Feed your flock. In your name we pray. And everybody together said, John chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. And I had put out in the marquee that the title of my sermon was To Faith with Love. But I changed it last night. And I'll let you know at the end why. But I, I entitled it now to Eric Clapton with Love. Okay. To Eric Clapton with Love. I had 12 tapes on this series. Now we have Lucky 13. Hallelujah. Huh? So I'll have to make another, another one. I have like 12 sermons on to different people. Jason Giambi with Love to... Josie with a whole lot of love uh, by Led Zeppelin. Hallelujah. I'm just kidding. Uh, though Eric Clapton did play with him a little few times. Uh, but to Eric Clapton with love. John chapter 11. Do you have it? Verses 1 through 6. It says, now a man named what? Was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the one, same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. They had sent word to him. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's, what? So that God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. I mentioned the word love again. Yet, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, look what he does. He stayed there for two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Jump down to verse 11. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend, he calls him friend, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So he told them what? Plainly, outright, uh, no fooling around, plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Jump down to verse 23. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again on the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whosoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Father, I pray. Blessings on your word. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated. Two prayers. Praise God. Now, for most, many and most people, when we are told plainly, that's why I said the word plainly. He said it plainly. Lazarus is dead. Uh, when we're told plainly that so-and-so, whoever... My dad just recently died, passed away. Uh, some of you have had deaths in your family as of late. When we're told this, to us, that's it. It's over. Uh, that's the end of the line. That's the end of the road. That's as far as the story will go. Fiend. Uh, it's over. It's finished. There is nothing else to be said. Lazarus is dead. Tony Pineda 
who I preached a sermon on his behalf last week. Remember, last sermon last week was to Tony Pineda with love. My dad. Tony Pineda is dead. Uh, the worst that could happen has happened. Lazarus is dead. The nurse can go home. The doctor can go back to his office. He did his utmost trying to, to, to cure the individual. To get him from perishing. Disease uh, has summoned the grim reaper. Medicines can be put back on the shelf to most people. Once this happens. See, to so, so many people, when the parade or the motorcade of, of cars goes passing down the street, signifying a funeral or a death, to most people, we hardly even turn. We hardly even notice. It's just, that's just the way our nature is. It's like commonplace to many and most of us. And you can, I mean, I know that's happened to me many times. Until it, hit home, it hits home. Until we're a part of the motorcade. Until we're a part of that parade going down to the you know, the funeral. I mean, I remember when it hit me. Man, doing my dad's funeral. Then all of a sudden, they put on a tape, my family, and they start singing to my dad. He's already gone, but they're singing to him. And it just hit me. My God, it's my family now. I'm doing a funeral. And I've done hundreds of funerals. I'm doing a funeral now for my family. It's me. It's my father. Man, when it hits home, then it's different. Uh, we have, we're the ones that have to go through all this. Uh, until it strikes someone that we really dearly love. Then it becomes so personal that we think we're the first to have ever had to go through such a time or such an ordeal. That's what I saw there with my family sitting down as I was officiating the funeral. It's now our turn to weep and to reap the grim reaper in a sense. And for Mary and Martha, getting back to the story here in John 11, death was just that new to them. It was just that fresh to Mary and Martha. Death had not yet stepped on their welcome mat and entered into the portals of their door until this time. Are you with me? And listen to what I said, their welcome mat. It had not passed through their doors before. Before all this, there was not a happier, more welcome home in all of Bethany. Trust me, I know what I'm telling you here. As you study about Mary and Martha and Lazarus' home, that was a kicking place. And that was a place to hang out. That was a place to, to be. Because Jesus, whenever he was in town, he'd be there. There was a reason. Remember, Jesus was no slouch. He knew what he was doing. Jesus liked to hang out with the in crowd. Uh, he liked to be with the gang, with the voya, uh, with the singles, uh, with the married couples. Uh, with the married couples. Hallelujah. Uh, uh, it was victory outreach. He dug it over there. You know what I mean? It's happening there. Oh, you got to be there. That's the way he was. So there was not a happier home in all of Bethany. This house was really not a house. It was a home. We covered that two weeks ago. Uh, you can have all kinds of furniture. You can have all three cars in your garage. But that doesn't make it a home. You need the power of God. That makes it a home. So their house was truly, genuinely a home. See, because they had what most houses don't have. They had genuine love. That's what makes a house a home. Love for one another, love for other people, and love for Christ himself. But now, Lazarus is dead. I just read that scripture. Uh, the big brother, the protector of that household, the man of the house is dead. Sort of like my family, Donna Santa Paula. The man of the house, the protector, is dead. Uh, so now, the happiest, the most friendliest, uh, the warmest house in Bethany, suddenly like that has become the saddest house in Bethany at that current time. 
It's the gloomiest. It's the darkest. It's the most hopeless house in Bethany now. See, this home could never again be the beacon. It could never be the attraction that it once was. Never again. How this home, prior to this death of Lazarus, had shined. Uh, there was a whole lot of love and rejoicing coming from that, that house, from that home before. Hospitality had been the order nearly of every day. Again, because Jesus ain't going to go there if it's not happening. There was hospitality. You know, I mean, Martha, the cook, be there or be round, hallelujah. Or don't be round, hallelujah. Huh? Not be there or be square. Be there or don't be round. I mean, you're going to be there. But you know Martha's cooking. Uh, it had been a, a home of hospitality. Warmth and compassion could often and easily be found at that home in Bethany. This home had been a home to the preacher, to Jesus, the master himself, a home away from home. Actually, he didn't have a home. He had no place to even lay his head. So I can imagine whenever he, you know, he says, I'm getting tired of laying my head on rocks. Uh, I'm going to go over to Martha's place and Mary's and Lazarus' house. can hardly wait to get there. Uh, it had been a place of warmth where Jesus hung out. Christ himself felt so welcome there. There probably was no other place where Christ could be at peace and at rest as he was at their house. But now, now, all that would have to change. Things would be different now. Definitely different. Because Lazarus is dead. Just how long, just how intense Lazarus' suffering and sickness was, and how long it lasted, the Bible doesn't tell us how long he lasted. We don't know how long that suffering was, that, that, that sickness was. But one thing we can say for sure is that Lazarus did get a whole lot of care and comfort uh, firsthand and with quality from his sisters because they were loving, caring kind of sisters. Uh, so we know that, it, we don't know how long it lasted, but we know, you know, you want some more soup? Um, you, need, you, you, you need some penicillin? Um, he wants to, I mean, he, he, he was a little spoiled. He could have been a sister's boy, hallelujah. Uh, coined a new word. Uh, he could have. He could have been a sister's boy because, you know, from the left and the right, oh, yeah. You know, he probably got sick a lot. Uh, anytime he wanted attention. Uh, see, from the day Lazarus took ill, he received the tenderest and heartiest of care and concern. Uh, and more than once, they had hoped that Jesus would come. Stay with me now. When they're caring for their, their brother who is ill, who is sick, they're hoping, man, we, they sent word. He whom thou lovest is sick. They thought that was enough. Uh, they would hope that Jesus would, if only Jesus would get here, they'd think. Uh, see, the Bible shows us, finally, that Mary and Martha could bear it no more. So they sent a message to Christ. He whom thou lovest is sick. This was actually a prayer founded on faith and wet with a whole lot of tears, with loving tears. That's what it was. They're trying to have Jesus read between the lines. The one that you love is sick. In other words, this is my, our prayer. Come on, we have faith you can come. It, 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 it's a summons with our tears. Uh, after that uh, came the, the testings and the hours of, of trying, the tests, the hours of waiting, the, the, you know, the days of waiting. Is he going to be coming? What's going to happen with Jesus? See, more than a few times, I could see Martha looking out the window. Uh, Mary walking sometimes, going outside the door, looking down the road to see if Jesus was going to come. Because they knew the heart of Jesus. They knew how he was. 
They'd keep looking out the way. Is he coming? What's happening? They watched, they waited, and they hoped for the master to arrive. But death got there first before the coming of Christ. That's what the Bible tells us here. Even for the funeral. I mean, you'd hope he'd be there for the funeral. He didn't show up. You'd have hoped he'd at least be here at our side. Give us some words of comfort. Nothing. Didn't show up. You know, many of us have been in funerals. You know, we hope that, I hope someone's there. I've been to some funerals that, you know, just, I just look at the people and they, I can tell they're, they're, they're comforted. Our pastor's here. Thanks for coming, pastor. Uh, just, just, just be there. Can you imagine? They wanted Christ to be there. But he's a no-show. Uh, they have to go at it alone without the presence of Christ. So why? Why was this tragedy, why was it allowed to take place? Why was it allowed to happen? Why did Jesus allow for this? That's what I want to study here this morning. Why was this tragedy allowed to take place? Why the, you know, the, the agony and the suffering of these sisters? Why did Christ allow it? See, these questions can be legitimately asked even today by so many of us. Why did God allow this to happen? Why did my father have to pass away now? The, you know, the, 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 the rate of people living today is like 80-something. My dad was 73. Why did he have to go on now? Why the death? Why the suffering? Why the pain? Again, these are legitimate questions. Well, my friend, this tragedy did not happen because Jesus knew nothing about it. He did. He knows then. He knew then what happened, and he knows now what goes on as well. So it was not ignorance on Christ's part that allowed this tragedy to occur. It wasn't because he didn't know. Oops, I didn't know. Wow. Huh? No, not at all. Uh, he knew, you know, sort of like that. Remember that, that joke I told you about the lady who wanted, was 80 years old and wanted 10 more years and they gave her 10 more years? Remember that? She went to God, can I have 10 more years? God gave her 10 more years. So she turned 90, she wanted another 10 more years. She went to God, I'm 90 years old today, but can you give me, you gave me 10 years last time when I was 80, can you give me another 10 years? And God said, ah, okay, I will. So she said, all right, I'm going to live to be 100. Uh, so she, what did she do? She went out there and she, she got a tummy tuck. She got a few ups, she got a few lifts, she got a few tightenings, she started looking like 40, remember that? Because now she was going to get an extra 10 years, she went outside, walking outside and whatever, she got run over by a car and died. She went before the presence of God, she said, God, I was 80, you gave me 10 years, I was 90, you were going to give me another 10 years, but look, now here I am, I'm dead. And God looks and he goes, was that you? Ah. I didn't recognize, look at this, I didn't recognize it, you know. No, 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 God knows. God knows. He can see through all that stuff. <laughs> like you see in Spanish, muy high I mean, look at you, huh? acting all bad. You ain't all that. <laughs> Act your age, somebody. <laughs> see, but this death did not happen because of the ignorance of God. He knew what was going on. Neither did his death, this death of Lazarus, neither did it occur because of Jesus' lack of love. Because the Bible clearly tells us that, you know, the death of Lazarus was one that he loved. The servant, the disciple Jesus loved was ill. His disciple you loved Jesus is ill. So it was not out of ignorance that it occurred, and it was not because of lack of love. So today, my friend, many are ill. Many people are sick whom Jesus loves. Uh, Rebecca's not here today. 
All right, well, she's in the hospital. Does Jesus love her? Yes, he does. Is she ill? Yes, she is. Hallelujah. Will she get the tape? Yes, she probably will. Hallelujah. Uh, uh, Tara Clapton and Rebecca, hallelujah, with love. Thus, my friend, the death of Lazarus was not for lack of love on the part of Christ, but it was due to the total opposite. Stay with me here. We're going to take a turn right here in this sermon. Stay with me here. You don't want to lose me here. It was due to the total opposite. Uh, the actual reason Lazarus died was because Jesus loved him. Try to figure that one out. I'm going to show you right now. It was because Christ loved him. See, look at verses 5 and 6 again. This is an odd, strange two verses. And they're going to explain to you what I mean. John 11, 5 and 6. Jesus loved Martha and her sister, Mary and Lazarus. Yet, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Ah. When Jesus heard Lazarus sick, he stayed two more days. What an odd, odd thing to do. He loves them, but he throws them what we call for the Shinola. Uh, he just leaves them hanging. Looking out the window. Checking out down the road to see if he's going to come. Because he loves them and they know that he loves them. But no Jesus. See, I would think that if you love someone, one who, who was sick, you'll go to them right away. Because you love them. I know you guys got to your moms right away. Because you love her. That's what you and I would expect. And that's what you and I would do. But we're not God. We're not Christ. Christ knows what he's doing. Instead we read, Jesus loved them, so he stayed away from them. <laughs> that's what he did. He loves them, so he, he stayed away from them. Odd. Maybe even a little absurd, we might think. See, Jesus loved them, so he allows you know, this disease and death to come right in the front door unafraid. Death came to the house and stepped right over that welcome mat. They were, it was unafraid to enter the house because Jesus wasn't there. Uh, this is the first lesson we learn here today or should learn here today. That, this is the first lesson I want to teach you. I want to teach you three things. Number one, love sometimes sees, its best, sees it best that we should suffer. Love sometimes sees it best for us, sometimes, that we should suffer. Huh? It's best for us. Many times, most of us feel and we believe that comfort and ease and freedom from pain and success and prosperity, these only are the marks of God's love and God's hand upon our life. Wrong, Kenneth Copeland. Sorry, Fred C.K. Price. But we think that. That's why I entitled the sermon to faith with love. Because sometimes we think, faith, evidence, evidence, faith, 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 evidence, faith, 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 faith. Well, to faith with love, this sermon. Sometimes love will allow us to, to, to not necessarily prosper and have a few failures under our belt. Go through quite a few trials through the third power and suffer a little bit. And that's love. We're not talking about faith here. We're talking about love. It'll allow us to suffer. Remember, God doesn't raise no cream puffs. Doesn't do that. It's not supposed to. See, many, many wicked men prosper. And many, many, many good men seem to fail. Yet, my friend, this doesn't mean that God loves the one and dislikes the other. 
Uh, he played favorites, not at all. God loves Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Therefore, he will let Lazarus die. That's what happened right here. God loves you. And therefore, he will at times allow disappointment and struggle to come your way. Because he loves you. He don't raise no sissies in the spirit. God loved the apostle Paul. Therefore, he allowed him to have that thorn in the flesh. But what did that thorn in the flesh eventually turn into? A beautiful rose. A beautiful flower. Uh, of an apostle. Of a person. That's what will happen to you. I mean, hey, my wife and I, we've been through some doozies. Uh, and through some spiritual losies. Hallelujah. I mean, we, 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 we've, been, we've been around. But listen, let me just ask you point blank. Don't you thank God that you have a pastor that's been through some trials? Uh, that has still stood through all that madness? Uh, and he didn't get mad? Well, most of the time. <laughs> uh, really, it, it just stands there, man. If, you know, if he can go through it, I can go through it. Uh, I mean, it helps. Because uh, you, you, you never know what's going to happen when the enemy comes in like a flood. Uh, but that's what happened uh, to this, this flower of a man. Paul, because he had a thorn in the flesh. Why then was this tragedy? Why was it allowed to happen? For the same reason, my friend, they can happen to us, to you and I. Because God loves us. Look at verse 14. Verse 14. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake... See, because he loves them. For your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. So that maybe now you can believe. I did it because I loved you. I didn't show up because I, because I loved them. And I love you. See, Jesus is saying, he was glad he wasn't there because now he could teach his disciples and you and I a valuable lesson. That by and large, only through pain and suffering, life's greatest lessons can be learned. Only through pain. See, Jesus knew that the saints that hurt the most usually make the best Christians. Charles Spurgeon once said, it is, I doubt it greatly that God will use anybody greatly unless he's hurt him greatly. He's been through a few hurts. He says, no, that happens. So what is Jesus trying to teach us with the way and the method that he uses here in John 11 in handling situations of, of pain and sorrow? And even death. Handling a situation like he did here with Lazarus. First of all, Jesus here teaches us that though we may fail, okay, all alone. Or we might think in, 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 in our hearts that we're all alone. In our hurts and in our sufferings. It's not so. Jesus is there with us. He knows. He knows what, what, what we're going through. Though we might think we're all alone. Uh, we might feel like, man, nobody's here with us. Remember the Valentina Principle? I mean, really, raise your hands. Those of you that know the Valentina principle, right? I mean, that's a powerful principle to know. Uh, some people don't know it. I hope Valentina does, hallelujah. Uh, but we used to have a two-story house in Fremont, and my kids were in school, my two oldest, but not Valentina. She was the lucky one, got to stay home and get up when she wanted to. Huh? And we'd hear her, because we'd be, uh, that's when I used to drink coffee, those were my coffee days. And we'd be drinking coffee in the morning, my wife and I, and we'd hear the little, my wife used to, my wife used to call it the pitter-patter of little feet. You know, we could hear her when she got up. 11.30. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> and phew, we could tell she went to the restroom. You know, you could tell you the restroom, you know, the, you know, the water thing. You know, you could tell. And then you could hear her back, back to her room. 
Then, and, and this is a fact. Sema would tell her almost every day, don't go to my room, right? Don't, he used to even used to leave, you know, little things. Like I think he'd seen a James Bond movie before. So he, he put some of his hair on the, on, the, on the door, you know. And the hair would always be gone. Because Valentina would walk to the room. And then we, we could hear up, oh, she's in the Stefan's room. She's going to get it, you know. And she would. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because Stefan loved her, hallelujah, you know. <clears throat> then we'd hear her go to my office. And she wouldn't spend too much time there because nobody could. There was no room. All my sermons were on the floor. <laughs> Anybody ever see my office? Yes. <laughs> the women saw me. <laughs> so she wouldn't spend a lot of time there. Then we'd hear her. She's in our room. We put our coffee down. But then we'd go out. Let it go. It's all right. Then because of ministry where I was talking, doing stuff, half hour would go by. A half hour. 40 minutes. Finally we'd say, Valentina, we have not heard the pitter-patter of little feet. That means she's been in our room for 40 minutes. Oh, no. She's got the lippy sticky all over her. You know, everywhere. Girls don't know how to put on makeup. They try. Ah, have it in her hair. Because when you haven't heard from Valentina in 40 minutes, you know she's up to something. And that's the way God is. Listen, that's why it's, a, it's an important principle. That's what I'm bringing up to you no once. When you haven't heard from God in a while, he still knows. He understands. He's there, but he's up to something. When he's the quietest is when he's doing the most. That's what he's doing the most in our lives. He's ingraining in our hearts. He's doing something to work that you can stand. Hallelujah. We need to understand that. God knows. And the thing is, he'll never give you more than you can handle. He won't. I was listening to a tape the other day on the subject, and the man was talking about God knows everything. He, he won't give you more than you can handle. And he said that he was pastoring a church who had been growing, and all of a sudden, they would always talk about the old pastor, the old pastor, the old pastor, and how, how much better he was than, than the new pastor. You know, he was getting mad. They wanted to know, can we buy some of the old pastor's tapes? They didn't want to buy none of his. And, he was, and finally, one of the men came up and he said, you know that brother, pastor so-and-so, is thinking about coming back to the city and starting a new church. And it was that pastor. And he looks and he, he thought for a while and he goes, he gives the guy the answer. He goes, what a privilege. What an awesome privilege if Pastor Swanson, who can preach better than me, is going to come and start a church in the same city. He goes, because God must think a whole awful lot about me if he's going to put that pastor there because he knows I can handle it. He knows I can take it. Uh, he says, man, and think about that. God must think a whole lot about you if you can listen to sermons like this. Hallelujah. Uh, that's what the guy thought man God must think I what a privilege because he won't give me more than I can handle then the pastor goes on to say in the tape he says but that pastor never came and started a church he says because I probably couldn't handle it the second thing that we learn here or moving quickly here is the magnificent concern of Christ the magnificent concern the compassion the sympathy if you will of Jesus, his deep love, his great sympathy when dealing with somebody's hurts and somebody's pains. Uh, he hurts with us. He aches with us. It is here in John eleven thirty five. 35, who we read that great, uh, uh, you know, the shortest scripture in the whole Bible. Jesus wept. It's in this portion of scripture where he cries. 
Our God is truly tough, but he's also tender. Tough and tender. Jesus wept. The agony of the cross could not make him cry. The nails, the, the, the thorns could not make him cry. But when one of his little sheep, one of his little tender sheep from a sheepfold, when they hurt, this always arouses Christ's great sympathy. When you hurt is when he cries. The agony of the cross couldn't make him cry. He wasn't tough. But when you hurt is when he gets tender. He hurts with you. He empathizes with you. He sympathizes as much with you as well. Whatever you might be going through, rest assured, my friend. God knows. He cares. He understands. And you are not alone. You're not alone. The reason I'm yelling right now is because when I'm hearing sermons like this, I got to hear it like that. I, I sit there too. I want to know that God is with me. I need it in here. I'm not alone. We're going to be all right. Lazarus is dead, yes. But Jesus wept because he cares. And we need to understand that. Then thirdly, lastly, we also learn here in John 11 that Jesus wants us, and this is a great part, he wants us to be keenly aware of the afterlife. That's what he includes in this portion of scripture. Heaven! He's talking about heaven. And Friday when I was making the announcements, I was talking about heaven. How some of the teenagers, younger people, they don't quite, they're not quite conscious of heaven. But the older you get, the closer you get to the portals. You can almost see them pearly gates. Them streets of gold every now and then if you want to. That's what happens. It comes with the territory. Uh, but we want to know about heaven. I'm going to close this sermon by telling you a little bit about heaven. Verses 23 and 25, look at them. They talk about heaven. John eleven twenty three. 23, look at it, please. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he's going to rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whosoever lives and believes in me will never die. See, Christ is saying here, he's saying that he was the resurrection. He was the life. That he also is heaven incarnate. The proof of the resurrection is here and now. He's saying the resurrection is before you, he's telling him. Heaven is here. I am part of heaven. I left my throne in heaven. I'm going back to heaven. Heaven is here and now, right now. Not just in the hereafter, but in the here and now. Uh, he, the Bible says, is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why? Because they're still alive. He's the God of Tony Pineda, hallelujah. He's the God of your loved ones that have gone on. They're still there. They're alive, very much alive. Uh, and they're doing well in heaven. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. God is not a God of the dead, but of the living, the Bible says. Then, we can see here also that in John 11, that in heaven, we're going to recognize each other. We're going we're to know each other. Hey, what's happening? What's going on, Sam Arzola? Ah, you see my dad? Lazarus, the Bible says, still answered to his old name, as did Moses and Elijah at the Mount of Transfiguration. The answer to their old name, Moses, Lazarus, come forth. Ah, so too will we answer to our old name in heaven, as will all others. We will know even as we are known. We're going we're gonna to know each other. 
We're just going to be little, little angels with little hearts. Ah, God is more mental than that. Ah, but the best thing that I believe these verses teach us is that there will be love and caring and sharing and relationships in heaven. Relationships, that's the key. There's going to be interactions. There's going to be relationships in heaven. For when Jesus talks of Lazarus in heaven, he calls him my friend. My friend Lazarus. See, he's, he's no longer here, but he's still his friend. Uh, then Jesus tells Mary and Martha, your brother, Lazarus. In other words, he's not here, but he's still their brother. Your brother, Lazarus. See, in heaven, we're still going to carry on with our loving and sharing relationships. Listen to this. Death can kill and destroy the body, but it cannot destroy love. Ooh, kalalala, sando. Thank God I'm Pentecostal right here. Ah, death can destroy the body, but not relationships, not love, not joy. Amen. What did I tell you? We studied about heaven about a month and a half ago. Heaven's going to be like children's church. Ah, with good teachers. Hallelujah. Ah, carry on, carry on. Hallelujah. Ah, but it's going to be a blast. What happens in children's church? When kids play, what do they do? They forget about the sense of time. Try to remember when you were a kid. Ah, and what illustration did I use? Esteban, plain. Losing his jackets, plural, to the third power, if you will. He lost so many jackets because he lost his sense of time. He wanted to play. He wanted to shoot. He wanted to throw. Esteban, it's time to go. Esteban, you got to come home. Because he was in heaven. Hallelujah. That's what's going to happen. You're going to lose your sense of time. That's what time. When time shall be no more. When the angels of the Lord shall come and time shall be no more. And oh, uh, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Uh, see, how many people have asked the question, will we know each other in heaven? Well, my friend, on the authority of Jesus, given in the scriptures that I read, we can see that the answer is a resounding Yes. We're going to know each other. We're going to recognize each other in heaven. Would you know my name if I saw you in heaven? To Eric Clapton, with love, I say yes. Yes. When I was putting this sermon together, and I'm going to close now, it happened to me again. It hadn't happened to me in a while. But I have a friend of mine. Josie knows him. He was real close to me. The proudest guy you'd ever want to meet. Man. We were talking about him the other day. But I found out when he died, he picked up the Bible. And he started reading the word. Roy Perez, I don't know if you know. And, and, and he, he, he died in prison. But when I found out he picked up the Bible, God spoke to my heart. He, and he, just like God told me, he made it. I said, wow. Because Roy, Roy had a, a, a saying, Ma didn't raise no fool. He was no fool. And then when I did his funeral, his wife began to tell me this different stuff. He wants to go up there with you when he cuts out. This time he wants to, you know, he's talking about it. So he was conscious. He hadn't seen me in many, many years, but he was aware. Uh, Steve knows where it's at, man. Steve, if Steve accepted Jesus, Jesus is for real. Uh, so he did it. I believe he did it because he was there. God has spoken to me several times about this, that he made it. And as I was finishing my sermon, I, all of a sudden it's like if I heard him speak to me again. 
like saying, hey, uh, Steve, do all you can to make it, to get here. Because, it was, because of you, I'm here. Take your time. Get as many people as you can here, because it's worth it. He says, but please get here, because I hardly know anybody. <laughs> he says, other than a few guards that I met along the way. <laughs> he says, but please get here. <laughs> Relationships. Uh, he wants to hang with the homies, hallelujah. Uh, poor guy. <laughs> That's what happens if you're going to get deathbed, you know, salvation. Uh, build relationships here and now. But that's what's going to happen in heaven. It's going to be something else. I want every head bowed and every eye closed, please. As every head is bowed and every eye closed, Spirit of God, moving and ministering. I want to pray for those of you that maybe you're not even ready to get there yet. Or maybe this message was right up your freeway. Wondering, does God really know? Does God understand? Is God even with me? Has he abandoned me? What's happening? And you can't make head nor tails of what's going on in your life at present. Currently. God knows. That's why I love that song by Angela and Veronica. Jesus will still be there. That's why I love that song. By those young girls that sing that song, Jesus will still be there. Point of grace. God knows everything you're going through. God knows. God knows. He cares. It was love that allowed Lazarus to perish. It was love that kept him from going and returning back, even being at the funeral. Because he was trying to teach Mary and Martha and even Lazarus a heavy lesson on love and God's methods and God's desires and God's plans and strategies for our lives. Sometimes we ask and wonder what's going on. God knows. Trust the Lord. Leave everything into his willing and capable and able hands. Powerful, perfect, precious hands. Would you do that this morning? And as every head is bowed and every eye closed, Spirit of God, moving and ministering, you say, Brother Steve, the sermon was designed and designated for me. Even now as you're speaking, these words are already heading home because that's God's Spirit speaking to you. If that's you, can you want me to pray for you here this morning? I'm going to ask you from all those places, stand to your feet right there where you're at. You want me to pray for you this morning. The sermon was right up your freeway. You need prayer here this morning in your life. I'm going to ask you quickly to stand to your feet right there where you're at. Maybe you need forgiveness of sins. Maybe you need to get right with God. Your relationship of which heaven's going to be all about is not where it needs to be with your divine Savior, with the Holy God. There's no getter greater feeling in all the world than to know that you're right with God a right relationship righteousness anybody else's every head is still bowed every eye closed spirit of God moving to ministry just say the sermon was right for me and I want to culminate it in prayer and I want you to pray for me brother Steve if that's you every head is still bowed every eye closed quickly stand to your feet and join these that are already standing we're going to pray we're going to pray right now you need, you need prayer here today you want me to pray for you this morning before we close I want to ask you very quickly to slip out of your seat and make your way down to this altar. Now, those of you that are standing, quickly slip out of your seat, make your way into this altar and come and stand or kneel at this altar. Those of you that are standing, I'm going to ask you to slip out of your seat very quickly and come and either stand or kneel here at this altar. We're going to pray. Hallelujah. As every head is to bow and every eye closed, unless you're making your way up, I'm going to ask you to come to this altar. Good things happen at the altar. Great things happen at this altar. 
You take a step towards God, he'll take a thousand towards you. Draw nigh unto me, say the Lord, and he'll draw nigh unto us. Just to be close to you, Jesus. The rest of us, could we stand? Let's sing that song. Let's sing that song just to be close to you. 